So every day we would divide up. Half our group would go do the visitations, and then the other half would be working to clean up the Jewish cemetery, and we'll talk about that more in a second. So next slide. So our, the first, with the group that we were in, we spent all of our time the, in that week in two different towns. One of them was called Vasilkov, which is only about an hour from Kiev. And I wanted to give you a, just not so much pictures of the city, but these are two buildings that used to belong to the, to the Jewish community. That for, for you know, the um, Rice and Victor, and of course Sarah are very familiar with this story, but basically, uh, when communism came after uh, World War II, all the Jewish institutions were taken from the Jewish community for the most part, um, and many other religious buildings, and then they were converted into other things. On the right is the old synagogue building, which was then a train station and now is flats. Um, so they're apartment buildings. And then the other one on the left is a, a school, it used to be a Jewish school. So these were buildings that used to belong to the Jewish community in this town. Um, the reason why the synagogue is no longer a functioning synagogue is I told you that the people are older and they don't have the money. And I didn't show you just what terrible condition the building itself is in. It would need millions of dollars of, of restoration and the community, it, I mean, everything goes to what little food that they can get. They have no money to do that. Plus. With the laws of restitution, once communism collapsed and buildings were allowed to be kind of given back to the Jewish community, what that meant is they would have to relocate and pay for the people who live there now to live somewhere else, right? They can't just kick out the people who are there. And so it's, it's still flats. It's still an apartment building rather than a beautiful synagogue because um, Jewish community there just doesn't have the money to, to do anything with it. So um, next slide. So... Uh, this is actually from our first day, that we were gathering up, uh, we would get food parcels, basically like food baskets, they're not literal baskets. There's, each bag is full of food, and each bag would then go to one of the different either Holocaust survivors or um, elderly Jews who we would visit with. Um, next slide. I'm going through all of this really fast, okay? The cool thing is when we were out doing this, that there was a local news coverage, like we got news coverage. Uh, they came and they filmed with us. Um, so you can see there uh, Marilla, who is the wife of Irak, and they're the ones who run the Polanya Foundation that does all this amazing work. Um, she's uh, being interviewed by one of the newscasters about the work that we're doing and why we're there. Um, and then later we were inside of where the, every Shabbat, this room is actually, a, all around the walls are like honoring military people. This is a, a government office building. And because this, there is no synagogue in that town anymore that's used by the Jewish community, um, about 30 elderly Jews gather every Shabbat to, in this room to, to just meet and um, I don't know, study and, and discuss things. So, but it was pretty cool. So we had news coverage about what we were doing. So this is one of the women that we met with. And she was really wonderful and very sweet. But you can't tell by the picture, but her living conditions were horrible. Um, I had to stand next to the window because I just wanted to puke. It smelled so bad in there. And her clothes, she hadn't changed in probably months, um, and she doesn't get out much because she can't. She has troubles getting around. 
Um, and she receives very little, uh, a very, very tiny pension. Um, and so she was so like overwhelmed to have this group of people from around the world come and just to encourage her and, and bless her. And, then, and she was really um, appreciative of, of the food that we brought to her. So go ahead and, and the next one. So that was just an example. I'm not going to give you every single person we visited, but that gives you an example of the people that we visited. So this is what the Vasilkov Jewish Cemetery looks like. <laughs> it, remember I mentioned it's an older community. They don't have the money to keep, to keep up the cemetery. Um, and, and they're all older. They can't get out there and do all the work themselves. So, so this is what the cemetery looks like. You can go to the next one, too. The next slide, please. And you can see just like this is what most of the cemetery looks like. So we were out there. Next slide. So we were out there cleaning up the cemetery. You can see how well it all looks now. Like you can actually see the, the, the gravestones. And this guy, Benjamin, became a, a good friend of mine from Germany. And he's out there, you know, whacking the, <laughs> cutting down all the weeds and stuff. Uh, next slide. So there's me <laughs> next to. So, so this is me, and that's um, David. He's, his family w immigrated to Israel from Moscow, and so he was able to speak Russian with everybody, um, and we became very good friends. So, uh, and in the background, I'll talk more about this in a second, is this big uh, monument in the middle is... Uh, it's a memorial to the Holocaust, the, the people who died in the Holocaust just from that town. One of the things that was amazing is I'm used to in the United States, whenever you come across the Holocaust memorial, it's what I would call sort of generic, right? It's just a memorial for all the people who died in the Holocaust. In these towns, it's not like that. Every single one, every single Jewish cemetery in all these towns has one of these, and it's the names of the people from that town, only that town. There's an amazing story. Go to the next slide. By the way, look in the background. Go back to that last one. Sorry. See all the work, if you can see, that we've already done. Like, we've cleared out that whole area. It's pretty amazing. We, we did a lot in three days. Unfortunately, we didn't get to the entire cemetery because there's only so much you can do, but we got most of it, and we got all the, the main front sections. So the next... Next slide. This is Yaakov. This is the head of the Jewish community of Vasilkov. And he was the most wonderful, amazing guy. Very funny, had amazing stories that you would expect from any like Jewish grandfather. Very funny and very dry sense of humor. And he loved us. Every single day he would come either to the cemetery or he would accompany us on the visitations just because he loved spending time with us. And when it came to leave, you'll see a picture that he came to the bus when we were leaving in tears, just crying, saying, thank you so much for coming. Please come back. You were, and he was saying to all of us, you are like my kids. Um, it made an incredible impact on him that people would come. And j just literally, this wasn't what I would call an evangelistic trip. It was literally to just serve the Jewish community to pray with them, whatever. You know, if people wanted to know about Yeshua, of course, we would, of course we'd talk about it, but we weren't there to try to convince anybody about anything. We were just there to love on people. And uh, so, next slide. This is that 
monument that's there recognizing the, those who died just from this town during the Holocaust. Now, in the middle of this one here, there's a plaque with names on it that you can't see. And then all around the side of it, there are all plaques with the names of the people from this town. This town, Vasilkov, before uh, the war, was about 50% Jewish. Now there's only about 100 Jews left in the, in the town, and they're all older. Um, but there's an interesting story. So Yaakov, who you saw in the picture before, his father was the head of the Jewish community before he was. When, when the communists took over this town, they looked at this memorial, and they said, there's too many Jewish names on this. You need to do something about it. Take off the plaques. They shouldn't be there. So Yaakov's father had a wonderful idea. Rather than losing the plaques with all the names of their, this is their families, right? They know these people whose names are written on this. He couldn't destroy it. So he had a brilliant idea to turn them around. So he took them off, carved the other side, and just turned them around so that the communist authorities had no idea that the plaques were still there. And he told Yaakov when he was a boy, like before he, well, he wasn't a boy. He was, before, before his father died, he was a man by this time. But he said, please, before you die, and a day will come when we can have this cemetery back. And he said, please make sure that the names of all those people are honored. And so Yaakov, about three years ago, three or four years ago, they had a huge um, gathering in this cemetery and the mayor showed up and others, and they, they turned the plaques around. And so the plaques that are there are the original plaques because Yaakov's father had the brilliant idea to just keep the plaques but turn them, flip them around. And so um, it's pretty cool. And then the one on the right just is kind of just a, tells the story of, it's a newer monument. Um, all right, next one. Sorry, this is taking longer than I expected. All right, so this is, uh, this is just some of us that were working on one of the days in the cemetery. And you can see Yaakov standing in the, in the middle of all of us. All right, next. Uh, so the very last night that we were in this town, we had an incredible opportunity to be a part of a civic event. This was put on by the city of Vasilkov in which they were honoring, the Jewish community of Vasilkov was honoring righteous Gentiles from this town. So this is, on, uh, this is one of the women who is the, from the city of Vasilkov who is um, talking, you know, whatever she was saying, I couldn't understand. Uh, but anyway, she was giving a, like a welcome and greeting. I had somebody sort of translating sometimes, but... Um, and then on the right is one of the families that were being honored with a plaque. Uh, next slide. This is the chief rabbi of Ukraine was at this. So he was there to give a greeting as the chief rabbi of Ukraine. Next slide. So this isn't, doesn't show everybody, but we were asked to participate with music and stuff. Irek, the guy who runs all this stuff, is an amazing klezmer, not just klezmer, but he, he really loves klezmer musician, and that's his daughter. Um, I wanted to show you guys video of some of the stuff, but we had other musicians up there too. You just don't get to see them. So we were participating actually in this event. Next one. So that's me also giving a greeting as a rabbi from Los Angeles to say hello to this uh, group. So you can see me in the background right before I gave a, a greeting in this city. Uh, so then afterwards, the mayor paid for us to go out for pizza. This is by, paid for by the mayor. So Yaakov, 
it took us all out. You can't even see because some of our group are sitting at this table over there, and then all the tables over here are us, and then this is some of us uh, enjoying pizza and beer, you know, very much earned. <laughs> Definitely earned after all the hard work we were doing. So, all right, next. Uh, this is our, it's a Dodgers hat. Of course, I got to represent, right? <laughs> I, I wore my Dodgers hat everywhere. Um, so this is the morning. This was Friday morning, uh, the day that we left Vasilkov. And you can see Yaakov is there, right here. And he brought flowers for Marilla. And this is when he was just in tears, telling us how much he appreciated us coming and how much it meant to him and that we were like his kids and, um, you know, to please come back. All right, next slide. So then uh, that day we drove to Korsun, which is another small village. It's smaller than Vasilkov. You can see the morning we arrived, there's this whole um, kind of bazaar that's going on. Um, not as cool as our farmer's markets. Those are like, um, these are like people are selling used stuff. Like everything's old and beat up and the fruit, some of the fruit was amazing. Like we ate very well while we were there, thank God. All right, next one. That's just that. So the very first thing we did, we arrived, we got cleaned up, and then we met the local Jewish community for Shabbat dinner. So, and they also don't have a synagogue, so they meet in a Ukrainian restaurant. And uh, so you can see this is some of the group that, of us and some of the people from the local Jewish community. There's me uh, giving a little Dvar Torah um, for the Torah portion that week, which was Pinchas. And then there's Irak playing music and singing afterwards, playing some klezmer stuff. And the people love klezmer there. It really is amazing. There's something about klezmer for Ashkenazi Jews that just sparks your Yiddish neshama. It's really awesome. All right, next one. So this woman, so the next day, so we got there, we did Friday night Shabbat dinner. Um, the next day, then we spent the whole day not working in the cemetery because it's Shabbos, right? <laughs> you got to observe Shabbat some way. So we did visitations only that day. So we grow, our entire group broke up to go throughout the town visiting older Jewish people. This woman actually lives very well for somebody from this town because she's a retired, respected teacher and um, a respected authority in Russian literature. But even she in her house, which is very clean and everything, she doesn't have running water. She has an outhouse. Like, this is the kind of place that even the people who are doing well, some might, some not. You know, it just depends on the, on the village. Um, but this woman was amazing. As a Jewish person, especially somebody with degrees in Jewish studies, I've heard my whole life about blood libels. Does everybody know what a blood libel is? It, you still hear it sometimes, but it used to be a really big deal, um, is that for whatever crazy reason, people believe that Jews make matzah for Passover with Christian blood, right? The, the blood of babies, Christian babies, in our matzah. First of all, it's not even kosher, right? We don't, we're not supposed to eat the blood. But, but the problem is that a blood libel would happen. Usually what would happen is a child would come up missing, and of course they would blame the Jews that we kidnapped the child and to use their blood for matzah. And uh, then there would be a huge mob, and they would kill Jews. So I never actually met anybody who was connected to a blood libel, right? It's only things that you read about in history books, but not there. 
So this woman, her uncle, was part of a very famous blood libel trial, which was interesting. Rather than being like a mob where they would just go and then just kill the people, it actually ended up in a civil court. So the, go to the next slide. This is actually from a museum that you'll see in a, in a little bit later. But Mendel Bayless, this was her uncle, and that's him right there up in that upper screen. But Mendel Bayless was the one who was charged with this blood libel, but it, was in, it ended up in a civil court. And so because this got a lot of attention, international pressure was put on this court to not find him guilty, right? to find him innocent. And that's what ended up happening. He actually won his case, which was very unusual, but it was so traumatic. Obviously, they left Ukraine right after this. But this woman that we met, that was her uncle. And so we got to meet somebody and hear from her side about this, this blood libel story. All right, next one. So this is us before we left meeting you know, uh, with her. I'm obviously on the right. All right, next, next one. Then, then the next couple we visited with were wonderful. This was such a wonderful couple. And they also actually lived pretty well. Um, their house was very nice, very clean. It was very cute because it had all these add-ons. Like, it was over 100 years old. This man was the oldest person that we visited. He was 92. Of all the people we visited, he was the oldest. Um, he's 92, still getting around. He came and carried stools for us when we, uh, when we came in. Um, but check out this addition to the house. It's kind of slanted. And so they built the door at an angle. I tried to get a picture of it. But it looked so cool when you went in. It didn't tip over. It was actually built at a slant. It was very interesting. But they were very wonderful. And also, we stayed with them for quite a while, talking with them and hearing a story about, um, you know, because we would always ask people um, if they were Holocaust survivors, like, what was their story? Or if they, a lot of these people were born, believe it or not, most of these people are like my dad's age. There, they've had a rough life. People are in their 60s and 70s look like they're in their 80s. Um, so a lot of these people were born either during when people were, were evacuated or like fled, um, or they were born right after. But other people, like this, this couple, they actually were uh, escaped up into the mountains during the Holocaust, when the Germans took over. All right, next slide. This is Pieta, and he is the head of the Jewish community of Korsun, and he's an interesting guy. Next slide. He is also the head of the Regional Association of Jewish Organizations of Small Towns of Ukraine. There are 39, 39 member associations. And remember, this is in English. The association is actually called whatever, whatever its Russian name is. Um, but that whole central region, which you see on the upper map, the upper map is all of Ukraine, but their region is this one here. And so Pitya is the head of all of those Jewish communities. And when Irak first started working with him, he was very skeptical many years about working with Messianic Jews and stuff. But um, over the years, as Irak has been working with them, he's now completely welcoming. And uh, I actually had a very good relationship with, with Pitya. It's amazing there how many people still speak Yiddish. Like, if you're over a certain age, everybody speaks Yiddish. And they were all incredibly disappointed that I didn't speak Yiddish. Like, it was, it was such a bummer. There was one girl there from Poland who's studying. She's not Jewish, but she's studying 
Russian and, and Yiddish in, in university, and she was a hit with everybody, because like, they all loved her because she spoke Yiddish, and so, all right. So this is a little, they have a little tiny museum. It's like a one-room museum, and uh, so this is the, the museum that's run by that local Jewish community. This woman, Luba, she's the, kind of the sort of cantor of the, of the community in Korsun. And so she's the one who took the group for a little tour of the museum. All right, next one. So this is the Korsun Jewish Cemetery. We only worked in this cemetery one day. And part of it is because this one is much better. It, it's better taken care of than the other one. So the newer side, it has a, it's a huge cemetery. And the oldest gravestone is, uh, that we, they know of is at least 250 years old. So the newer, two, the newer part of the cemetery is good, but the other side is completely overgrown. All right, next one. So that's just, you can see the newer side of the cemetery. It actually, that part of it didn't need a whole lot of work. So we were working on the parts that are completely overgrown. Um, that side isn't so bad, but in the middle, it's all trees and bushes that have taken over um, the cemetery. Next slide, so you can see some of these tombstones. Next slide. You can see also vandals go in here and they knock over the, the... And it's very common for people to also go in and do drugs. So what I didn't show you from the first cemetery is all the needles. We had like a whole bucket of syringes and stuff from people who go in and, and like just shoot cocaine and stuff in the cemeteries. So this is another... Um, you can see the tombstone. And in the back is what we call an ohel. Ohel means tent in Hebrew, but it's whenever you have a very famous rabbi, they usually have some kind of a monument built. Um, so this is the monument of two very famous rabbis from this town um, who are mentioned there. And so it says basically in Hebrew, on one side it's in Russian, the other side's in Hebrew, and it says, um, you know, the great sage of Korsun and of the Galil, like this region, Hakadosh, the, the holy rabbi, Rabbi um, Yehuda Lieb, and his son, uh, and then it has the name of his son, and then there's another rabbi that's listed there. So anyway, so go, go ahead into the next slide. So here you see us like working in the section that's not taken care of, um, but they've done a lot of work over... In the first town that we were in was the very first time we've ever worked with that Jewish community. So they were incredibly appreciative, but this town that they've been working there for the last few years, so they've made a, a lot more, they've gotten a lot more done on the cemetery. All right, next slide. I'm running out of time, so I'm just gonna rush through all these. You can see everybody working. All right, keep, keep going. Of course, we're having fun while we're working. Because what, it, oh, also it was like 90 some degrees while we were out there. It was so bloody hot. All right, I'm on the left. Uh, so it's one of the guys from, from Ireland. All right, next, next slide. This is their monument for the Jews from their town who were killed um, during the Holocaust. Next slide. Um, that's the front end of the, of the monument. Um, next slide. That's right before we're getting ready to leave. Um, yeah, you know, again, you might as well have fun while you're working. All right, next slide. So that was from Monday to Monday. And then when that group left, I stayed in Ukraine for an extra week to work with Irek and a guy from Kiev, his name is Daniel. You'll see him in other pictures, but he's playing the keyboard. And, and Daniel's mom, 
We, every single day, we would travel to a different town to meet with the local Jewish community. They would play music. I would kind of give some kind of an encouraging, I mostly just told stories um, to connect with the people. And these are people who, they're, they didn't need some kind of an academic discussion. They just wanted to hear an encouraging, encouraging stories. So these are all the different time, you know, all the different groups that we would meet with throughout the week. So they would play music, I would get up, and then afterwards we would hand out the food parcels. And then uh, in the afternoons, oh, that next slide, um, we, some days we did visitations with people, but I don't have pictures of that because I was doing it, right? <laughs> so, um, and I tried to get some pictures from Irak in time for today, but he was out of town and so he wasn't able to send me pictures. But there was one woman that we met, met with who was dying and uh, that was probably one of the hardest ones um, that we did. But we would also, too, after the, the public events, we would meet with the local Jewish community leaders. And that was really cool, because we would usually take them out to lunch. And there was two women at the very first shtetl that we went to, the very first town that we went to. And it turns out that they said, oh, yeah, you can talk about Yeshua. That's fine, because we believe in Yeshua. And Daniel's mom said, oh, yeah, they want to be, they want to, they want to, like, accept Yeshua and be immersed. And so I said, really? <laughs> like, okay, so I asked them at lunch, I said, so I hear you're, and, the, and then they were kind of like, uh, not yet, we're not quite ready yet, but we will do it, but we want it, we need, just need a little extra time. But it was cool, because I got to talk to them about that. Um, so, and then on the way home, since Poland is so close, um, when I say close, it's a plane ride, but it's only about two hours and costs about 60 bucks, <laughs> $65, something like that. So I went back with Erek and met up with his family. And these are a few of the people who live around Krakow um, from our group. So we had like a little reunion um, for Shabbat dinner. So this is Shabbat dinner. Um, and then while I was there, Krakow is a great city. So I just wanted to take some time. You can see a little bit of the historic part of Krakow, um, which at one time had an, an extremely rich Jewish history. Uh, all right, next slide. So while I was there, I visited Schindler's factory in the ghetto. Um, I actually recited Kaddish for um, all those who perished in the ghetto, including for Barbara's family who perished in the ghetto. And I made you a video. I just need to send it to you um, while I was there. Um, and the Schindler factory, Monique, um, is actually her mother's brother is married to one of the daughters of one of the Schindler Jews whose picture was there. So on the side here, they have pictures of most of the, of the survivors from that factory you know, who were saved by Schindler. All right, I got to move on. So uh, this is Kajimir, the historic Jewish quarter. Go ahead and keep going. This is some of the synagogues. This is a very famous synagogue. Um, I davened Mincha there, the afternoon prayers. This is the cemetery behind the synagogue. And um, it's in a really amazing cemetery. Um, this is the, the, the biggest grave in the middle over on the right. That's a very famous rabbi, Rabbi Israel Asurli's, the Rema. And um, he basically wrote a Shulchan Aruch, a code of Jewish law for Ashkenazi Jews. And he's, so people come from all over the world, and you can see all the notes and rocks that get left there by all the people who have visited from all over the world 
to pray at, this, um, at the grave of this very famous rabbi. So many of the tombstones from this place and from surrounding cemeteries were all knocked over. They were used for paving stones by the Nazis. And so they went and collected many of them. And the entire cemetery is surrounded by fragments. They built the wall out of fragments of old tombstones that were, you know, d that were um, basically broken up or whatever by the Nazis. It's, it's pretty crazy. It's cool to see, but the whole wall, like the entire cemetery, is surrounded by this. All right, next one. Um, these are synagogues that are no longer synagogues. They're museums. It's basically Poland. Poland is, there are no Jews left in Poland. Like three million Jews were killed in Poland. So, all right. And then well, the last slide is just how wonderful this couple is. Just how much these two non-Jews have sacrificed their lives to serve the Jewish people. When Irek met Marilla, she was, um, had already like, lived in Israel to like, serve and everything. And she said, if you marry me, you have to marry all these Jews, too. And he said, this is conditional. And she said, you're right. Like, <laughs> anyway, and ever since then, they've devoted their lives, their families' lives, to serving the Jewish people. They're really uh, amazing and wonderful. And um, not only are, do they do a great work, but they're wonderful hosts, because I stayed at their home um, while I was in, in Poland. So... That's it. That's what I was doing, if anybody wondered where, where I was. Um, so I can't even begin just these pictures, and I know I'm going over, but can't even begin to tell you what God did, not only in me <laughs> and what I learned in this trip and how I was humbled, uh, especially by spending time with Benjamin, the guy from Germany, um, there was after one of our visits that I, I, I had incredible compassion for Benjamin. and Because he's only like 17. He's a 17-year-old kid. And he's a huge cyclist and works in a bike shop. So, of course, we hit it off by talking bikes. But I had a lot of compassion for him. And I went up to him afterwards and I said, this must be hard to every single house we go to to just hear how horrible the Germans are. And uh, he told me, like, yes, it's hard, but the hardest time, the hardest visit was last year, because this is his second time on this trip. And last time, he, there was this guy who basically, he felt like I should apologize, like, I'm sorry for what was done. And the guy basically told him, listen, it's not your fault. Like, it wasn't you, it wasn't your parents. He said, you're not responsible for this. And... Um, you know, that was incredibly healing for Benjamin. But it's still hard, you know. Like, but yet here he is. He's from Germany, and he's there to just serve the Jewish people. Um, so anyway, if you want to know more, I'll tell you more. But I'm out of time. So uh, let's close with the Elenu. So if you'll rise. As we, 